All right. So this morning we're talking about in our series of forgiveness, forgiveness and power. We're talking about church forgiveness. And some people would probably be thinking like, church forgiveness, what's that? Well, I don't know uh, how many people out there have been in a church before coming to Otter Creek that may have been hurt by something. One thing I hate to say and uh, that can happen in this life that we live is that we can we can be how can I say it? Pain can be inflicted in unintentionally and sometimes intentionally through other members of the church, which can be defined as church hurt. Uh, it's not necessarily always the leadership. It can be other people within the congregation causing you torment. Uh, I grew up in a, a small church in Pulaski, Tennessee, and I watched one time where one of my relatives inadvertently, well, I don't know inadvertently or not, but they technically tormented the preacher to the point he left. You know, um, I've seen people go through some things and experience this church hurt. When I did my research in uh, ministerial burnout among African-American ministers within Churches of Christ back in 2016, one thing I kept coming up in a lot of those ministers' uh, tenures through different churches was how they had been hurt by other churches. You know, the churches they had been to and been had went through. You know, I had one gentleman talk about how, as him being the minister, if he preached on tough topics and they didn't like it, they would send a message to him by cutting the lights off at the house because he lived in a, in a parish next door to the church or in the middle of winter when they cut the heat off and he's got four kids. Uh, stuff like that would happen to people, you know. Different forms of things that could put a bad taste in, in somebody's mouth about church. Uh, so that's what we're kind of talking about today is church hurt. Um, Emmett Price had a term for what he used to call when a lot of people before they came to his congregation, and he would use the term church hurt. Um, that refers to the pain sometimes inflicted by religious institutions, a pain that distances sufferers from their communities and from God is an increasingly prominent topic of discussion among Christian clergy. And that's what Julie Zalmer says. Church hurt can cut you to the core. Yes, it can. Much like our parents, we see church leaders as having authority. We look to them to lead us and to shepherd us well. We trust them with our hearts and with our areas of vulnerability. Allison Cook, PhD. Um, this vulnerability comes with a lot of hinges to it. We are very prayerful that when we go to a church, <coughs> we are going to a church and attending a body, attending to worship with a body that has responsible, mature leaders. Amen? And sometimes in some places where we've been, we may not have got that. And I've seen it so many different ways happen throughout my my ministry years, uh, 20 plus years of being a minister. I've seen it happen in different ways to friends, to people in different churches, people in some of the churches I went to. I've seen things happen as they came from other churches. Uh, I even got into diff difficult discussions with people at churches that I believe they were inflicting harm on others and didn't like when I called them on the carpet about what they were doing. Um, I mean, I've heard the horror stories of where, like I had a friend one time, we were at school at Lipscomb, he was telling me a story about why his parents didn't go to a physical church building anymore. And it was based off because when he was little, the church swing set on the property of the church broke. 
and broke his mother's ankles while she was swinging in a swing. And the first thing the church did, rather than attending to see if she was okay, they were more worried about, are you going to sue us? So they preemptively kicked them out the church to keep her from suing, which caused them to sue uh, because they didn't want to help after that. I mean, things like that can hurt, and it hurts people deeply. Uh, in some cases, some people might turn from the faith. More cases than not, they don't. You know, um, and they continue on. They'll just leave that location and go somewhere else. But church hurt is something that is definitely a real situation that happens in many different places in many different ways. Every year, about 2.7 million church members drop from church membership. Okay? Um, one of the main reasons is a tribute to church members leaving was being hurt and wounded, according to Dr. Raquel Anderson. Another Barnard study said, among unchurched adults, it shows that nearly four out of every 10 non-church-going Americans, 37% said they avoid churches because of negative past experiences in churches or with church people. I hear a lot of times, I've heard, have you, has anybody ever heard the saying, I love Jesus, but I can't stand his wife? Somebody hit me with that one one year. I'm like, what? He said, no, Jesus is the bomb, and I, I, can, I love him. It's just his bride don't know how to act sometimes. I was like, why? And I think even Gandhi has mentioned something like that, too. I said, Gandhi said he liked your Christ, but he didn't like your Christians. So that's, really, that's the same, yeah. Kind of the same and I mean, it kind of echoes out there to who the church is and what the church is. First of all, we need to realize one thing. And so I think Psalm 103 says we need to remember that we're dust. We need to remember who we are. We're dust. We're clay. Uh, as 2 Corinthians talks about the earthen vessels and the ministry of reconciliation, we do have a propensity that as clay and earthen vessels that we are, we break, we crack, we fracture. And then in the process of fracturing, we rub those rough edges against each other sometimes because we're in such close proximity. And sometimes without even realizing it, we hurt and harm one another. And sometimes, some ways, on irreparable damage can be done, if not closely attended to by leaders. Does that make sense? See, the whole thing that, a pa that pastors and, and elders are supposed to do is to watch the flock. Watching the flock is just not about being in business meetings and making rules and setting rules and precedences, but it's about watching and tending the flock. Anybody here? How many people know Psalm 23? Well, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Remember that? He laid, making me to lay down in green pastures for his name's sake. He leads me beside the still waters, right? Think about it when he talks about the shepherd's table. When you have a shepherd's table, this is something to
they press their wound to the ground to try to heal. So as they're pressing it to the ground, if they're bleeding, the blood will get on the grass. It's been said that blood on the grass to a sheep is like candy. So other sheep, if they're around it, would start eating it. And we know sheep, if, at times you have to move sheep from pasture to pasture because the sheep, when it hits dirt, will think if it keeps eating this dirt, it will get grass eventually, but it won't. So you have to be attentive to that sheep to know, oh, you're, you've eaten too much grass, let's move you over, or let's lay you down to rest. Or you're injured, I need to move you and put you in a safe place so you can heal. So the shepherd's table would happen where you would have the rod, the staff, the cloak, and the shepherd, and you'd have the wounded sheep in the middle. None of the other sheep would broach these boundaries because they knew not to come across those. They knew the shepherd's staff, shepherd's a rod, his cloak had his scent, he was there. So they wouldn't come over here where that sheep was. And sometimes God does us like this, where he has to remove us from the initial community and put us in a place of healing because of things like church hurt. That they have to work on us. He has to work on us and our spirits. And sometimes in the midst of that, he may have to take you from one flock and put you in another flock for you to heal. I ain't gonna lie, I came to Otter Creek because I was a person like that. I was on that table and God had to move me from where I was and he placed me here so I could be healed and could be nourished and could be brought back to health. And that's what it helped me. Uh, because sometimes we experience some really negative things in church. Not everybody has had a good experience, you know. Sometimes as Christians, that we may have those insensitive moments. And it can be one-offs. You know, it's not that I'm saying that everybody's always mean, but it can be one-off things that just happen in life, and you get cut the wrong way, you know, or something rubs you and just hurts so bad, you know. So they called another thing was called post-traumatic church syndrome. <laughs> Never heard of this one. This was new for me. A condition of spiritual injury that occurs as a result of religion, faith, and or the leaving, losing, or breaking thereof. The vile, noxious, icky, or otherwise foul aftermath of a sad spiritual injury. A ser serious term intended to aid serious spiritual healing without taking itself too seriously in the process. Um, there's different forms and ways of church hurt. You could be hurt by something somebody says. Or you might be getting bullied by somebody in church. Who knows? Another member might be picking with you. Uh, those are common things that might happen here or there. But in recent years, we've seen other different types of situations come out in the wake of things like the Catholic Church and what happens with them. Uh, Salem witchcraft, excuse me, Salem witchcraft trials are a great example of church hurt. Um, crusades. You know, the Bible told us to go forth and spread the gospel, not spread more. Clergy scandals within the Catholic Church have put a dent in some people's faith and how they approach church. Even the Holocaust. Because what people don't realize is Hitler believed he was a Christian. And he was doing God's work. He thought that. Sometimes people 
in this world have been able to formulate their own ideological beliefs of what Christianity is and call it Christianity. But when you hold it up to scripture, we see the difference. We see that it's not what Jesus ever intended. And sometimes those witnesses, people outside of church don't know the difference. And yet, did you ever get the window of opportunity to show them Christ according to scripture versus that person's rendition of what they thought Jesus was saying? You're lucky. Uh, American and European churches involved with slavery were different with another one. And there have been many other ways churches have heard. Some people say, well, how was the church involved in slavery? Well, once again, like, let's see, Georgetown University sold over 230-some-odd slaves just to build that university. The clergy sold those people. Instead of setting free people, the captives of Scripture would say they sold them into bondage in Louisiana. Things like that, which causes the witness uh, of people to look at things differently. Like, there's a movement right now amongst African Americans in some areas that will tell you, I'm not going to church. That's the white man's religion. They, they caused me to be in slavery because they understood that Christianity and some of the Christian scriptures were twisted to support that peculiar institution. And now they don't trust it, not realizing that everything about Christianity came from the ancient Near East and Africa and everywhere, northern Africa and all that is where it came from. Um, but church hurt has a way of skewing a vision of who Christ really is. And everybody knows in here, when you're in pain, you don't see like you need to see. You know what I mean? Pain can cause us to do some weird things. i never forget one time I was working with my father. My dad was a carpenter. He built a lot of stuff. And we were out there working. And being a carpenter, you get your hands dirty. And I don't care how dirty your hand is, you hit your thumb with a hammer. First place you're going to try to put it in. Yeah, one time I did that and got some glue and something else. No. Oh, it was awful. But that pain caused me out of reaction to do that. And I didn't even think anything of it. So sometimes with, with church hurt, what happens is people get a jaded view of what they see in a small space. And don't take into account the whole picture of what Jesus is and what the church is about. And that's why I try to encourage other Christians to remember these things when we encounter people or we encounter church hurt, that this is not always the true representation of the bride of Christ. Because by us being humans, by us being these very fragile vessels into which God has put into it a message that's very, very valuable and very important, we still have a tendency, the opportunity to fracture and break. Because no matter what, under pressure, we do crack. And sometimes with those cracks, some things may spill out. Toxicity, bad days, you know. And, and sometimes you've had some people that you know, who are Christian, love Jesus, but have some of the worst dispositions. You know? 
that also can come off the wrong way. So when we are out and about, that's why I tell people we have to be very careful how we say what we do and do what we say. We got to be intentional about following Christ. And what I mean by that is, we have to question ourselves sometimes. You know, we, a lot of us, we've been in places where some things we have been taught and we then later on realize are not true to scripture. It's still hard to let go of. It's still very hard to let go of and you struggle with it. Whether it be something that hurts somebody else or something that hurts you, still hard to let go of. But that's why I believe we come into the part of leaning into Jesus on these hard topics. You know, leaning into Jesus is the only way I can see us getting past some of these things. And JB, you know, we look at that list and we seem to think that it's all in the past. Right. And it's not. I mean, even some of the great atrocities are still taking place mm -hmm. and we're seeing it come up in the news. Um, I don't know many people that watch the movie Belfast, but mm -hmm. Kenneth Brunnen did a movie about going to Belfast, so you have Protestants and Catholics killing each other. And that's still, they have bubbles up uh, that's still coming on today. Yeah. And that's still going on. And then, of course, the atrocity that's been broadcast all over the last year of the boarding schools, mm -hmm. which were run by the church, mm -hmm. and they're finding thousands of buried children that supposedly the church and these families never had reconciliation. They never knew what happened to their child, and now they're finding all of these uh, that were quote-unquote done in the name of Christ to run these schools. And they beat their culture out of them for the name of Christ. And, these, uh, and so generation after generation now of, of Native Americans, they have a terror for them because of the atrocities that have been continuously done to them over the time. And it's not all distant past. It's right. within our lifetime mm -hmm. that these things are still taking place. The last one of those schools didn't close until 2005. Wow. And so there's still things that they don't know that were taking place. And it's just it's continuous. It's not just one-offs. Right. There are things that continue to happen. And it's not just the Crusades and the, and the Salem Witch Trials and, and the Spanish Inquisition. There's still atrocities that are being done today. Everything. Quote, in the name of God. I mean, uh, I've been listening. Has anybody ever heard of gangster capitalism? I've been listening to that podcast for season three, and they did a thing about Liberty University. That blew my mind. And to hear some of those people on that podcast who have been harmed by that university, but when they were harmed by the university, guess who they looked at it as? Because it was a, it's a Christian university, they got church hurt because of that university. Especially those young ladies who were assaulted, sexually assaulted on the campus, and then the university covered it up. Or when you're at churches that you see that covered up the sexual assault, or you embrace the person who was the cause of the pain, but you victim, I mean, you vilify the victims. Those are things that cause a lot of hurt. And we, we are dealing with that in this present age. You know, I know I've got several friends that have been through situations similar to that within churches. When they report stuff, 
and the shepherds dropped the ball big time. You know, you can't make a choice. You got to either way it goes. You're going to have to love, but you got to love equally. You can't just say we're going to embrace this person and put this person over here. Like it makes no sense. But I mean, this is a reality we live in that sometimes leaderships don't get the response right, and that leads to more pain. That leads to more harm. That leads to more psychological damage, not only psychological, but spiritual. Because then you start to question, God, what's going on here? Is this your body? What is your body doing right now? You know? And those questions will come up. Now, here's something that's kind of interesting. Laura Trent, I'm sorry this is kind of fuzzy. I tried to find a better one. But it said, in my cloud of hurt and rage and anger at what was my... Of what at what my church leader had said, I stood up and walked out that church. And to this day, I've never returned to that church. This is real. People have had situations where they walked out of their church and never returned to that church. Don't mean they didn't go to another one. Though. They didn't go back to that one. They didn't go back to that one. So let's see. Some misconceptions about church hurt. One, people who leave, leave church have left God. That's not always the case. Sometimes when people have been hurt by church, their best bet is to leave that church and find a healthier one. That was me and my situation. Until I left where I was at, didn't mean I left God. I, meant, I realized God wasn't where they were trying to say he was, and I didn't need to be in that, that situation at the time. I needed to go to a place where I could be cared for. Nursing. <laughs> Pastoral care was needed in my situation. And so I had to get out of where I was at and go to a healthy place. People who leave church don't do not know the truth. Sometimes they know more truth than some people who are saying they don't. And the truth of the matter sometimes is in certain relationships, it may be better for you to remove yourself from a toxic situation rather than waiting for the situation to move away from you. Does that make sense? Get away from where you're being hurt. Don't continue to sit in the fire as Barnaby type situation. People who leave church are weak Christians. Nope, no you're not. That's not the case. If you leave, you leave in a situation that is harming you spiritually, that's the best thing you need to do for you. And you're allowing God to guide you where you need to go to be healed from that. Where is that at? I don't know. I don't know where God's guiding others. You know, sometimes people who leave certain churches may have to leave because of certain situations that were going on at those said churches. Like I said earlier, I had a cousin, she was relentless on this preacher one time. It was not a Sunday, she wasn't at that back door wagging her finger in his face and just chiding him and chiding. And that man, everybody else saw the man was doing the best job he could do, was doing a really good job, had had more growth spiritually and numer uh, numerically happened in that church since he had been there, but for some odd reason, that woman just didn't like that man. And even after other people came in trying to intervene and get that situation stopped, she wouldn't quit. And finally he realized, I don't have to be here to serve. I can be somewhere else. And so he removed himself. He thought this too. Also, I had talked to him and asked him what, was, what he think. He said, well, Brother Angus, I thought like this. She wasn't going to stop. And the longer I stayed there, 
my presence was going to cause her to go to hell. Because she wasn't going to quit what she was doing. So I thought it would be easier for me to leave because this was her hometown rather than me to stay and keep allowing herself to dig at home people. He said, I loved her too much to be a stumbling block, so I went to another church. Well, in, in the Bible, you know, we saw Paul and Barnabas. Mm -hmm. A sharp dispute. Yep, about yeah. John Mark. Mm -hmm. And then Barnabas is like, well, I'm going to take him to me. And they, they went two different directions. Went their different directions. But then later, Paul's in prison, and he asked John Mark to come to him. Yeah, John Mark to come. You know, for me, those misconceptions were true. And when people would leave, we would hear that. You know, I always heard it grew up in a very extreme image of the CFC world, and that was preached. You know, it was, they left the quote the church, or the church was as they defined it. It wasn't You know, but we would hear that when someone would go away, or in the spirit of love, they would just tell it. Right? And, someone would do what I used to call a walk change, a vacation song, go down, okay. and if they didn't do what was prescribed, they got disowned. And then it was what they left the church. They don't understand the truth, or they're not willing to accept the truth. And like, well, the truth has been defined by these four men. Um, and so then when I went through my own period of this, I was struggling with believing in this conception. Like, I had no and therefore, I didn't know God, I didn't know the truth, I was weak, and I had no place to go. But those, those misassessments that I remember hearing from men that, that I respected growing up, because I was popular. Yeah, I heard, I've heard those too. Have anybody else, what other misconceptions have you all heard in your time? Don't be afraid, you can share. Kind of another out there. Like Brian had mentioned, this is something some people would have heard. That because you left this location, oh, they left God. You don't know that. You're not even worth, how can you speak to where they are when you're standing here telling us they left? You can't possibly know where they went to. Or they don't know the truth. Is it the truth, truth, or is it your truth they didn't know? Well, specific to church splits. Um, I forgot about those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Either you can have a, and I'm speaking specific to my pastor, you can have a, a really core group of people, friendships, strong bonds that just end. Yeah. And you go from being friends with intimate friends with people because they leave the church or, or they stayed and you left, whatever, that those friendships just are gone. Oh, you can stay Facebook friends, but <laughs> well, that's a new dynamic. <laughs> that's a new dynamic. Um, I've always been amazed at how you can and again I use the term intimate, just know certain people so well. And then the minute y'all can't get along sitting in a pew, that relationship is closing in to where you're enemies, to where you talk about each other behind each other's back. It's, it's a, and, and church does that. 
it's very intriguing. I can't speak for Eastern churches, but one thing I do find common in, in, in Western church um, hierarchy, church ecclesiology, is that exact situation. That if you leave this church, then you go to the next one, your friendship broke. I can say, since I've been enrolled here as community life minister, I have found more people in some of these life groups here at Otter Creek that don't go to Otter Creek, but they're still doing life group with people from Otter Creek. That was intriguing to me, because I've never seen that phenomenon happen. It's usually when you leave this church, oh, we ain't talking no more. I won't see you wave at you, because you left the truth. You left, you left God. You, you left what we believe. You're weak. That's kind of the type of persona. And like you said, I didn't think about it. Thank you for bringing it up, JP, that church splits in situations like that create another dynamic of hurt when you have friends that you were intimately engaged with, now they won't even talk to you when they see you on the street. Because in their head, you weak, you left God, you left the truth. That's what's been put into their heads. Because in some churches, not all, that may be taught from the pulpit. Go ahead, Brian. There, there is a, a, a big difference, and this, this may be easier to misconceive this in the Church of Christ, but there is a big difference between leaving the church and leaving the congregation. Okay. And there are a lot of different reasons to leave a congregation that don't necessarily involve losing those relationships. Right. I mean we have had we have had groups splinter off from this congregation mm -hmm. because they wanted to do a different thing mm -hmm. or they wanted to do more mm -hmm. than they could do here we have also had groups splinter off from this congregation because they were going way off the deep end theologically mm -hmm. and you know and and all of those are are different reasons right um and you know in in and in some cases in some of those cases especially number two um, would not be a misconception in those particular instances. Okay. So, I mean, it, it, it often is, but it is not always the case. <laughs> You're right. I agree with that. So, I mean, and, 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 I, and I have seen that in, you know, in, in, in most of those circumstances, I could go, I could name the names of people in those groups that, left, that I know left for those reasons. Mm -hmm. And some of them would be people that would stay in a life group. Some of them would be people that would want nothing to do with us and we might want nothing to do with them. And that has been, you're right, and that has been the case And some of the stuff I've seen uh, since I've been here, uh, all of that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really interesting. But what, I mean, I was really intrigued by the ones who can stay connected. You know, there's eventually later they might come back. You know, sometimes people leave for a season, leave for a reason. Yeah. So, an interesting example. So, I grew up in a church like that where if you left the church, if you, you left the club. That's what it was. You left the club. And I grew up there, and there were times where, like, my parents would be just, they would just get every ounce of energy out of them that they could. My parents would be burnt out. and like, we got to go. We would leave for, like, a month and then come back during that whole month like lifelong friends people i grew up with would not speak to us at all until we came back and it was very toxic it was very 
you know, I was a teenager when all this was going on. It was very confusing. Um, I left before they did. When I was 18, I was like, I've got to find somewhere else to go. I can't live like this anymore. So I was still going to church. I just didn't go with them. Yeah. But it was what was interesting to me is my parents finally broke it off and like we're breaking up for good and they went to another church and then they reconnected with people who had left before them or after them once they left that club too then they could be friends again hmm. but while they were there they couldn't it was it was that's, more cultish than that's kind of a cult behavior yeah. uh cults and churches can have cultic nature to it too by the way uh those cultic practices that you might see like among um, Branch Davidians were a cult that people talk about. The uh, 12 tribes is a current cult you might see. Uh, there have been so many, but that's one of, the, one of the things about them is they get you entrapped in there and they'll tell you it, somewhat like the church I grew up in was kind of cultish because I was always told, don't talk to them, don't talk to them. But when I talk to people, I need to dominate the conversation and just throw as many scriptures out as I could. It was kind of like doing a spiritual drive-by. I was just shooting up King James everywhere, just hoping I'd hit the right thing. Yay, D, thou and thou. You know, and hopefully it'll convert somebody. I think um, the misconception that's missing for me is, like, you, you get to that, you start with other ignorant or weak, but then if they actually thought about it and articulate, then if you've got to say, well, we're right, and you're intentionally pursuing something that's wrong, then you're evil. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it wow. kind of escalates, and that's, I think, why you can't really stay friends. <laughs> in, in, in some situations, I, and this is not every situation, there have been situations where even in the face of showing that it, they're wrong, some leaderships won't say it even though repentance is one of the biggest tenets of being Christian. Go ahead, Brian. I mean, and, and, and that's the thing that ties almost every example yeah. that we've got together. I mean, if if you are looking at, well, look at, I mean, I was going to say if you're looking at church as a family, but if you're looking at church as any kind of a relationship, mm -hmm. hurt is going to happen. It's going to. Where it becomes church hurt, and maybe every instance we've mentioned, except for the woman haranguing the preacher, um, it is it, 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 what, what causes the um, unredeemable hurt is the response of power. Yes. In the situation. That's where it hurts the worst. You know, I mean, and that, that goes from um, you know, a, a, a church leadership that insists that a victim of sexual abuse forgive the leader that abused him or her to the King James drive-bys, mm -hmm. you know, and, and having to dominate. It's like every, I mean, every every time if we talk if we talk about this for more than a paragraph, you start getting dominate mm -hmm. leader, yeah. and it's it's the you know, it's it's the the fuzzy example you said. It's what my church leader said that right. day, and it's it's the response to an inevitable hurt mm -hmm. more than it is. The inevitable hurt itself. Right. Yeah. It's like that one puts it like, really rubs the salt into the wound. Yeah. yeah. When you have the leadership and, and JB, not protecting you. You know, the one that I think we've experienced the most is that 
it's not even anything that you would necessarily say is a salvation issue. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the preference issues, and it's social norms and tradition. I don't know if anybody else is old enough to remember the atrocity of women wearing pants in the church. <laughs> you know, but it, it split people. I think the number one that I saw splits was over music. Yeah. And that one caused uproars of, of mass amounts of music. And then you would have the ones where I would say that people were tied to the individual. Yeah. And not necessarily to the church. Right. And when that individual left, they left with they them. left with them. Yeah. And so it's kind of one of those ones that there's all these <laughs> things that go on, and most of them have absolutely nothing to do with a faith, spiritual, exactly. a, a salvation issue. It was preference issues. I remember Jimmy Warren did that class with us when we were in college, and it was great. It was like. Which one of these things would you leave over because it was a faith issue? So it was a matter of salvation. Salvation issue. And you didn't believe the right way. Yeah. And then <laughs> you look at that list, that list got board. very small, you know, when yeah. you start thinking this is a salvation issue. And then it's not. And it was like, okay, how do we do this? But, you know, there's so many people that, that we get into a rut. We get into a, a thing that this is what it is. And then when something goes against us, it's not. Uh, I remember in college it was... Uh, you can't wear shorts to church, but when it's 102 degrees outside in Alabama, well. you know, shorts are really nice, particularly, uh, we could get away with it on Wednesday night, but Sunday you can't wear it. You know. But you better be there. But you better be there, but you can't wear shorts in there when it's 100 degrees outside. You've got to come, you know, sweat with everybody else. But, you know, it's all those things that you have going on that are that are the nuts kind of things that we think about. It's like, oh, wow, what would happen? But, you know, we get stuck with tradition. Mm -hmm. We get stuck into those ruts, and then when something goes against that tradition, we we get upset. And we we, we touch off. a sacred cow. Yeah, we touch a sacred right. cow. But, but again, it's it's not about none of those things were about those things. There's mm -hmm. always something that under all, yeah. all, all of those things. All of those things were about the power and the authority and the leadership yep. and how they handled that situation. Mm -hmm. yep. Because, I mean, you know, take, take music for an example, right. right? Music was handled really well here. Mm -hmm. Could have very easily split the congregation. Now, I know we had people that have left over that, and I'm sure we have people that won't visit here right. because of that. But this was a congregation that handled that in a, in a way that... You know, le leadership was focused on keeping the congregation together, bringing people under one roof with those mm -hmm. preferences. Right. And it, it wasn't about bringing the hammer down. It wasn't about othering people that believed about those issues that issue differently right. than the leadership. You know, all of all of those things come down to how the people running the show. How they respond. How they respond to everybody else. Laura and the Brown. The bottom line is a lot of it is that we're all human. And I think in a place like Nashville, you can have church scratches and literally go a mile, even for Church of Christ. You've yeah. got your worship preference, your worship minister preference, your children's ministry preference, your children's minister presence. Like, the coffee doesn't taste good here. I'm going to go to this one because they have a bigger coffee bar. You have all those choices. But I think when, I mean, that, to me, that's not, like, who cares? 
Right. Go go where you want to go, even if the name out front is different. Um, but I think where a bigger thing can come into play is people who don't have a reason to be, don't know they have a reason to be a Christian, mm-hmm. and have been rubbed by the babies in the graves. Yeah. And the, you know, all the atrocities. And I think we all have, I mean, go into the world to preach the good news, shoot your King James. Like, that's a that's your interpretation at that time in your life. Right. Go on the mission trip. That's your interpretation at that time in your life. But as I just said, Lord, have vacation. Like, do you reach out to the people near to you? And I say that coming back from a mission trip just recently. Like, I think it all boils down to humans quickly making a snap judgment on other humans and not to, like, take us off the hook. There are things we should be doing as Christians to draw people in, but you can only go so far as they, their interpretation of what you're doing. Right. A lot of it is about where people are in their life at that moment. You're right. Brian? Yeah, I was just going to share a couple things, like, on my journey. And this was years, years, and I'm still on this journey of healing from not just birth but harm. Through my journey, what I had to realize is that everything that I heard wasn't always necessarily said, but because I had been heard, I heard things that were like, Oh, yes. And so, you know, so I was really blown off to the point that I, after I left, I couldn't associate with anyone that was still there. It's like, wait, you're, by attending there, you are proving, not accepting, but proving everything that's being said. So I, I had some really tough walls. sister is back at that same congregation where I heard that, you know, I've heard that my mom, who was sitting in the next to me, was going to hell for divorce of my unhealthy father. Oh, yeah. and, and so, but yet seeing my sister back there, it was my mind quickly went to, how can you approve of this? And yet, through that journey, what I realized is that she's at the place that I was seven, eight years ago. Right. And it's just understanding that they haven't gone through Right. And they're doing the same things that I did. They just know the best that they can know. Right. And, and therefore, I can accept the intelligence of other people. But that didn't come early on. That was a long time. That leads me to my next slide. Forgiveness is a process. You might be able to release some of the offenses right away, but some offenses hurt deeper. You have to choose to let go and to let God. That is dependent upon where you are in the process. Every process is different from each person. Some people may not be where you are right now. They may be where you were five years ago. You know, that's something, the same thing with churches. I've learned that not every church is in the same time period. Some churches are 30 years behind Otter Creek. Some may be 30 years ahead of Otter Creek. You know, it's a different way depending on the different group of people you have. Um, And each of them handle things differently. from what I've seen in my experiences here, um, and from some of the things I've seen, look on the outside, look at in, God has really blessed here with the wisdom and judgment on some things. Like Brian said, they handled the issue of the music really well going into that. I don't know how they handled other issues I hadn't heard of, but I'm sure being human, they may have messed up. And that's something we got to understand. That's going to happen. And like I tell anybody anywhere, even like in our new member classes, 
if you get to the place that you figure that you might say, well, this is not healthy for me. One thing I love about Otter Creek is we implore people, if that is the case, find that healthy spot. We will help you. You know, if Otter Creek is not going to be the home you need, let us help you find one that's going to be with you to help minister to you where you are. You know, being in crisis means you have to stay at this building, this location, or the West End location. It's all about serving them with it where you can. And if it's not at the same zip code with us, we're not holding that against anybody. We just want people in the kingdom. And the kingdom doesn't end at the border of this property, you know, or this building. And the kingdom is bigger than that. And a lot of times, that's what brings us to the reconciliation piece of how do we reconcile with <coughs> some things that may be going on? Because you may not get the closure you want. You may not hear the, the shepherds or at that church that hurt you say they're sorry. But you can't let that drag you down in life. Waiting on an apology that may never come. You have to find a way to move on from that. And I'm not going to tell you that that, that pain still is going to just dissipate and go away. Because there's going to be something come down the road later on. It could be a smell, a sight, or anything that might trigger that. And that's a process of healing. That's a process of healing. I think that Matthew verse is so important, <clears throat> both for the people in the church who might be judging the people who are leaving right. the congregation, and for those that have been hurt and left. You know, it goes both ways mm -hmm. for sure. And then, of course, the people who are just on the outside looking in at these supposed Christians who can't get along and watch a church split from afar. I mean, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's. A, we all need to be thinking about that. I've seen church hurt pop up with carpet. So, mm -hmm. uh, literally, they got mad about the carpet. <laughs> One thing we don't want to let is bitterness harbor in our heart. Forgiveness is always does not make what was said or done right, but it's the right thing to do for yourself. To keep going, to keep moving. Because you don't want to get, how can I say it? Don't give them the power over your life to make you feel that way for the rest of your life. Ask God into that situation to release you from that bondage. Because sometimes in life, as humans, we want to hold on to the very thing that hurts us, the very thing that's keeping us down. But you have a Jesus that's able to come up to you and say, rise up and walk. Take that mat that you've been comfortable on and walk with it. Take it on out of here so you won't come back to it. You know, and the one thing that kind of keeps me going is to be kind of compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. It's just remembering, I'm going to hurt, but don't let this hurt drag me down. That's what I think about it. Because you've got to come to a place where you can't let them keep controlling you from afar. So do we have any other questions or comments? I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for being here this morning. We really appreciate your attendance. And we'll look forward to seeing you hold on, next week. Yes. We will not be having class on Easter Sunday. We will have an Easter egg hunt in the quad during this hour on Easter Sunday. Maybe I got a good one. Oh, it goes okay. right into what Brian was saying about who has the control. Right. Go back to the early 80s, uh, small town Kentucky. This time of year, spring of the year, 
a lot of the women in the congregation wear a hat. Oh, the hat. And that probably had something to do with Derby. But um, the preacher decided one time he would talk about distractions during worship. And so he brought up numerous things, but one of the things that he said was a distraction was the women wearing hats during during service. Uh-oh. And so my mother, God rest her soul. He popped off World War II in that church. Yeah, and they, a lot of them got on the telephone during the week, and well over half the women in the church the very next Sunday were wearing a hat. <laughs> that preacher learned who had control of that church. <laughs> Real quick. Thank you for that, JP.